if your eyes are only on this present world and your present body, you're focused on the wrong hope. The Apostle Paul is one teacher honest enough to face you with the truth about our world and our bodies, but he's not a cynic. He has a revelation about the future that every environmentalist and health fanatic needs to hear. Turn to Romans 8 verses 18 through 27 and let's discover with our study leader Dave Wurtson just what it is. For years I went into the Midlothian gym and every time I went in there right next to Caroline's, you've heard me share how old Mac was over there and he couldn't see, but man, he could paddle that bike and he'd be going a million miles a minute. It was just incredible. He couldn't see at all. His wife had to make sure he was placed on the bicycle, the stationary bike right, but man, he could hear. And it doesn't take much to hear me. All of you have been in restaurants with me, so he could always hear my voice. And Mac would always say, hey, Preacher Dave, how are you doing today? And I'd always respond, I'm doing all right, Mac, how are you doing? You know, as I looked around that room, here was Mac, and Mac, though he was well past three score and close to 10, he could still bowl close to 200, but he was blind, his body was wrinkled, and as I looked over across the gym, there would be a bunch of young guys, and they would be over at the bench, and they'd be pressing close to 300. And you'd look at the elliptical machine, often, you know, there were some women there that looked a lot prettier than Mac. The guys pressing over 300 were a lot stronger than Mac. The ladies that were on the elliptical machine were a lot prettier than Mac. But you know what is never told you at the gym is that everybody in that place is decaying. Have you ever walked into a gym and had been greeted with a sign, do this at your own risk, I'm sure you've done that, but everybody in this gym is on the way out. You see, right now there's two powerful movements. How many of you have spent some money in this room? How many of you have spent some money on trying to be more healthy? Anybody spent some money trying to be more healthy, okay? Now, there's another thing that's really become powerful in our culture is not only that your body needs to be strong, but also is that our world... Our world is needing to be protected. And the idea is that the penguins are going out and Al Gore is going around the country and Leo, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is saying, man, he's the next president of the United States. And one of the things I want to make really clear is that the Bible claims that our world is given to us as a gift from the Lord. Genesis 1 says you were created as a human being to be God's caretaker over. We were supposed to start in a beautiful garden. So Christianity is not supposed to treat God's creation and abuse it. But the truth of the matter, with all the stress upon health in the gym and health for our planet, there's still plastic bags that are choking our planet out there in the Pacific Ocean. And also, as I look around going to any restaurant, Capizano's, Jimmy's, you'll notice that Americans have never been heftier. And so I'm going to tell you a truth that you're probably not going to hear anyplace else. In fact, there's a lot of churches you can go to, they're going to tell you, I've got the secret. If you'll only learn to pray the right things, if you'll only learn to be part of our movement, usually if you give a little bit to us, we can assure you that you're going to be healthy, that you're not going to have any trouble in life, that you're going to have an overcoming faith that's going to conquer all the hard times in life. And what I want to share with you is that that's really popular. In fact, you'll have an audience 
that is not diverse like this audience because older people don't really fit into that scenario. But in America today, we have a real strong stress. We want to be healthy and young forever. In fact, I got here at Time Magazine, and uh, it's an older lady that has put on a few pounds. But Dove is telling us, let's see, it's Dove is telling us that her skin is going to be eternal. Do you believe that? Also, the planet. I'm going to share with you one thing about before you start worshiping the planet, which is a major thing, there's a major movement today that's saying that you need to worship the forces of nature, that it's eternal. I want to share something that you're probably not going to hear a lot of. Every human being on planet Earth is decaying, and the planet and the universe that you're a part of is decaying. And that's really bad news. But it's the truth. Every single person in this room is decaying. And the planet, do you realize, like, I went and got a can of gas, two cans, to mow yesterday. And there's an octane in that. And when I was in chemistry, I could tell you all the different constituents of that gas. I want to share something with you. Once I, like, I trimmed mode, and I used a couple, you know, lawnmower fuel tank full of gas. Once I burned that gas that gas can never be used again. Do you know that? You know why that's so? It's called the second law of thermodynamics. And the second law of thermodynamics says that the energy, the first law says that the energy of the universe is constant, but the second law says that all systems tend towards entropy, and what it means is, is that the available energy that we have in order to do work is constantly decreasing. So when I burn a can of fuel, it's decay, it's gone. It's not gone in the sense it just transferred and it becomes non-usable. So you know what that means? That there's going to come a day when not only the Antarctic melts, the penguins are gone, the stars are gone, the sun is gone. According to the law of science, like if you're going to be a materialist, then you live in a world that if you really face the truth, it's on the way out. One of the things about evolution, evolution reads things backwards. The story of the fossil record is not a story of emergent life. It's the story of death. If you'll just step it back away from it and look at it, there used to be dinosaurs. They're gone. They're dead. They're extinct. There's other whole species of animals that used to be alive. Now they're dead. In other words, Mount Rushmore is not being created in the fossil record. It's being torn down. And that's a totally different perspective. Scientists that I talk to often say, well, obviously it has to just be natural causes because God wouldn't make this mistake in the genetic code. And God wouldn't put this trash in our emergent flow of life. So this has to be just natural causes. What they fail to understand is what we're going to learn today in Romans 8. Is that the Bible teaches that your sin and mine, that our human sin has had unbelievable consequences, not just in your life, in our family's life, but it's actually influenced all the cosmos, all the universe. And instead of God's incredible creative power, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters, and it was chaotic in that darkness and the water, and then God spoke, let there be light and energies infused into the system, and we begin to get the world ready for us to live in, in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible teaches in Genesis chapter 3 that we sinned in Adam. And when Adam sinned, God says, curse it. 
be the ground because of you. So how many of you, when you're weeding in your garden, sweat? How many of you get tired when you weed in your garden? How many of you run out? You have to go running in and get a glass of water because you're really thirsty. How many of you at 9.30 after you've worked all day long in the hot sun, you're trying to watch a TV program and you fall asleep? All that's proving is that you earn things by the sweat of your brow. But when you work hard, you get tired. That's the second law of thermodynamics. Turn to Romans 8 because this is really bad news that our world is decaying, that our bodies are decaying. But the incredible news is that there's another kind of groaning. We groan in the world. We groan in our bodies. But the scripture also teaches that there's a Holy Spirit groaning. And his groan is not a groan of pain. It's not a groan of decay. But it's a groan where he's interceding for us. And it it ensures for us that we're going to have an incredible time that lies ahead. I want you to begin with Romans 8 verse 12. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it's not to our sin nature to live according to it. For if you live according to your sin nature, you will die. That's the cause of the decay. Our sin, our rebellion from God, is what's causing us to die. But God, when you receive Jesus as your Savior, introduced a a new power of life, the third person of the Trinity. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body, you will live. The Apostle Paul, as we've been studying the book of Romans, says that when you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit causes you to do is he causes you to be convicted about your sin. He causes you to to feel his grief when you disobey God, and you want to respond to him. And what he's telling us is that the Holy Spirit inside of us helps us to put to death, to take radical steps against the sin that's producing deadness in our life. It says, because those who are led by the Spirit, verse 14, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. If you're sitting here this morning and you think that our relationship with Jesus is about trying to obey rules, it's about trying to measure up. If you're afraid, some of you, if you're sitting right here and you say, Dave, I'm afraid about what's going to happen to me when I die. I'm afraid that, that I'm under the curse. Mother Teresa in lead articles is saying that she, she doubted her relationship with God and she feared that she was not going to be one of the chosen ones. And she lived under tremendous oppression because of that. Romans is telling us that the Spirit of God inside of us doesn't want us to have that incredible fear. It's not his will for us to labor estranged from God. That's the incredible gift of the book of Romans. That's what the Protestant Reformation was all about, that it wasn't built upon us earning it. It wasn't because we were a member of a church It wasn't because we did incredible good works, no matter how good they might be. But the book of Romans is saying, but those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. For you didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, one of the things, in fact, one of the ways that you can know that you've received Jesus as your Savior is that today, as you live your life, There is a spirit inside of you that moves you to address the God of the universe as your Abba. All of you say that, Abba. You know, that's you say, well, that's kind of magical. In fact, in English, you know, it sounds that's actually just Aramaic, and you've heard me explain to you. My little grandkids, Jonathan and Leslie's kids, 
both Nora and Leela, their daddy's name is Baba. So if you're ever around them, you'll hear him yell, Baba, you're pretty sure of that. And Romans 8 is saying that the Holy Spirit moves you to be able to realize that you've received a spirit of sonship and daughtership. You've now become a child. And instead of being a slave, just a servant in his house, the Holy Spirit inside of you moves you to call God your Baba, Abba Father. And all that is, Paul is probably echoing when the early church got together as they prayed. When they got together and they prayed, one of the dominant characteristics of being a child of God was that you address God as your Abba, as your daddy in heaven. And that was the movement of the Spirit. And so if you're moved to do that, some of you that feel like you can't pray, you feel God is distant from you, it's important for you to go back to the cross, back to the resurrection, and ask yourself whether Jesus has truly come into your life. If you don't ever address God as your father, if you're not ever moved to appeal to him and ask him for help, then that's possible evidence that the Holy Spirit hasn't come to live in your life. It's also possible that some of you have received the Holy Spirit, but you're, you're not easy with responding to him. So one of the things the Apostle Paul is saying is that we cry out. Notice it says, but you receive the Spirit of Sonship, and by him we cry and I want you to know the word cry is a loud, emotional word. How many of you have ever been in the tank and you feel like you just can't take another step and you just find yourself saying, oh, Father, and you're crying out to God? That's something we can do on a Sunday morning. One of the things in a Bible church is that we're very much afraid of our emotions. But it's very interesting to read this text and to see people exegete it because the word is a very emotive word. It is like Leela when she's in trouble, my granddaughter. She goes, Baba, loud and emotive, come and help me. At the Bible church, we're afraid to do that. Those of you that are from Assembly of God background, you don't have any trouble at all doing that. One of the things the Holy Spirit does is to move you to be able to cry out. And maybe some of you need to cry out this morning. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you feel like Mother Teresa in that dark night of the soul that for her lasted 50 years. That's a horrible darkness. It's why we're called to live together. And the Apostle Paul is saying that one of the things that the Holy Spirit's given us to do is to enable us to cry out and be able to say, Oh, Abba, Father. And then the Spirit testified with our spirit that we are God's children. I pray that this morning that every single one of you have that internal testimony of the Spirit that's saying you are God's child. You have trusted Jesus. You have believed in him. Now if we are children, this is the thing. I want you to understand that this relationship in Christ, this is the great hope that we have. Our relationship with Christ is not just that we are somehow going to be able to live in heaven forever and ever, but we're going to live in heaven forever and ever as God's very own children. We're not just servants in his household. The great new covenant is that the Spirit of God called us to understand that we're the children of God and we are the heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share with his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is what Paul's point is. If you've come to know Christ as your Savior, if you've trusted the cross, if you've trusted the resurrection, then you have become Christ's brothers and sisters. And the Lord has ordained that Christ is going to be ruler over the entire universe, 
In fact, the book of Revelation ends, and 2 Peter tells us that the present elements are going to melt, and God's going to make a new heaven and a new earth in which unrighteousness doesn't dwell. And brothers and sisters, I am looking at God's children. Do you feel in your heart, I can say, Jesus is my brother. That's, I find in my own life, that's, that's a little bit hard for me to say. How about you? But the Holy Spirit is telling us that we become not only God's children, but because we've now become part of God's family, we're going to inherit with Christ. That's our future destiny. So no matter what age you are, no matter what you're going through, your best days, if you're in Christ, are ahead. Amen? I want you to think about that again. Because no matter, you're going to go through time in your life, like, I want to share something about this life. This life is going to have emptiness. The book of Ecclesiastes says that the things that you live for are going to run out of gas. That's the truth. In fact, in the next paragraph, the Apostle Paul talks to us about the emptiness and the futility of creation. You live in a culture that's telling you your present physical body is enough and your present world is enough. And I'm going to tell you the truth. It is not. Your physical body, we're going to find out, is going to decay. It's going to get old. It's going to get sick. And there's no magical formulas that will be able to stop that from happening. And the physical world that you live in, it's important for you to take care of it. But there are going to be hurricanes and tornadoes, and you could have your house and work on it forever and ever. And it's possible that during the hurricane season, the next few weeks, all that Mary and I have done, building our house ourselves, mowing the lawn, getting it set up, that could be blown away in five minutes. Why? Look what it says. It says, I consider that our present sufferings, verse 18, are not worthy compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul's saying the best days are ahead. The creation awaits an eager expectation. All the universe, God's creation, is waiting. It's like it's craning its neck. It's personified like a, a living soul, you might say. And it's like Mother Earth is eagerly expecting. What is she expecting? You, as a child of God, to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration. That's the emptiness. The world that you live in. The Lord didn't mean for all the energy of the universe to be, to be used and then become unavailable. The Lord didn't mean for everything to go to zero, you know, absolute zero Kelvin where everything stops. The Lord doesn't mean for you to be, if you're in physics and you find out that there was a beginning to the universe and therefore there's going to be an end of the universe so that you live in fear. The Lord doesn't want you to be subject to that kind of futility because all you got is the present universe. The Lord is saying that the real order of things is not the way it is now. God, God ordained for the present universe because of our sin to be under a curse. But Romans 8 is telling you some incredible things that you can share with your health fitness friends, with your environmental friends. You can tell them the truth, that things are decaying, that their bodies are decaying. They're not going to like that. But the message is an incredible message of help. Look what it says. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. That's God. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay. Brothers and sisters, there's going to come a day when the universe isn't going to decay anymore. Where the water's not going to get polluted. Where there's going to be creatures and penguins that aren't going to die. 
And if you want penguins in heaven in God's new universe, it'll be filled with happy feet penguins. The great hope of Christ is that creation itself is going to be liberated from the bondage of decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. So this is what I want you to understand based upon what I've told you. Don't give your life just to environmental causes. Do I want you to take, to take care of the environment? Do I want some of you, some of you to go into that field? Yes, because I want you to reach people in those fields for the one that created the universe, the one that created the earth. And I want you to take care of it. It's wrong for us as God's children to be abusing the home that God has given us to temporarily dwell in. But we also need to be a people that don't live for just this present universe. Mary and I were just in the Adirondacks. The Adirondacks are gorgeous. When I was a kid growing up in upstate New York, I had no idea how gorgeous they were. There's water everywhere. We hiked back to Gold Lake Pond. And as I'm looking at Gold Lake, it's gorgeous. It's just like being in Switzerland. I suddenly look at the forest, and there's beautiful pine trees. Some of those pine trees were there when Columbus discovered America. No evangelistically speaking. But I noticed that there's pine trees that are turning all brown. Have you ever been in the forest and noticed that a whole stand of trees just dying from the disease? In the Adirondacks, there's beautiful pine trees that are being attacked by a disease. So you'll see a beautiful stand of pine trees, and it's slowly but surely being destroyed. That's what Paul is saying. And what that should remind us of, you know, my rebellion introduced that decay. The Apostle Paul goes on in the next paragraph, and he says, not only all creation, it says, we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, this gets personal. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption of sons of redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Has anybody been groaning this week? Does anybody have a body that is groaning? Anybody been sick this week? Raise your hand if you've been sick. Anybody had any pain this week? I'm going to tell you the truth. No matter, my, my daughter Janae, is a, she, she works out with people. She has eight clients. And so she's really into that, which is great. And you need to take care of your body. But I want to share something with you. Mac... As I would go into that gym, Mac was a great reminder to me every day, that's where I'm going. And he was wrinkled, and no matter how much dove he put on his skin, it was still wrinkled. In fact, a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Sumi, I've shared with Dr. Sumi, I met him in high school. He was dying of kidney cancer, of kidney failure. They put him on dialysis. He was on dialysis for years and years and years and years and years. And you've heard me tell this story. He was on Dallas every day. When I went to Dallas Seminary, he was the chaplain. When I graduated after nine years in graduate study, getting my doctorate degree, he was still going strong. He helped us found Faith Bible Church. He was on dialysis every day. He, he was dying my whole life from the time I was 13. He went to the East Coast. You know how he died? Not because his blood wasn't purified. His blood was purified. He got killed in an accident. You know why? Because you live in a feudal world. I want every one of you to realize the Apostle Paul is saying you live in a world where we're all decaying. That's why there's accidents. 
That's why there's terrible things that happen. There's why there's disease. And I want to share with you, like if you're sick, you can call for the elder of the church and we'll pray for you. And the Lord at times will give us great glimpses of the kingdom. There will be mighty miracles. But I want you to know that the Apostle Paul, who in the first century did incredible miracles, the Apostle Paul is telling you the truth. And I want you to listen to me. There's no special words you can use to get God to make you eternally young right now. The Apostle Paul is saying that we have a hope that is ahead of us. And I haven't met a preacher yet that didn't age. I haven't met anyone that's taught me and had a special connection with the Spirit of God that didn't get sick. In fact, to be honest with you, a lot of the men and women that I heard when I was a kid that were telling me, I've got a special word. I've got a special technique. In fact, there's a big thing going out right now called the secret. That if you think the right thing in your mind, you can know the secret and you can create reality. I got news for you. You can think all you want to. And right now, you're going to still grow old. So don't give any money to somebody that tells you that you can think it and it'll happen. Because all you need to ask yourself is, are they decaying? And I just challenge you, before you send them any money, look at them today, and then you watch them on television a year from now. Tammy Faye didn't look the same when she just died of cancer as she did when the big travesty hit. I don't mean to pick on them, but I want to protect you. Because I don't want to tell you, Jesus is not telling you that if you have the right words, the right technique, that you're not going to decay. He's got much better news. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to live in this body forever and ever and ever. I want a new one. Amen? I want a new one. I want one that's not going to ever be subject to disease again. I don't want the Lord just to raid me. Like if I get sick and die, I don't want the Lord to raid me so I can die again. I want him to raise me and give me a body that's going to last forever. And I'm really serious about this. There's a future dimension to our hope. And I covet that for every one of you because as I look, like our church right now is diverse. What's really cool this morning, we have little kids here. And we have people that are in their 80s and probably some that are older than that. Isn't that marvelous? And I can tell every single one of you that the greatest days, the greatest days are still ahead. As you close it, do you ever, sometimes you ever feel like, I just don't know, I'm just at the end of my rope. I don't know what I should pray. Anybody ever been there? Look what Paul closes with. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The great news from the Bible, how many of you have ever been weak in your life? Anybody here ever been weak? Some of you haven't won the 100-yard dash. Is there anybody here that you never were fast? Okay. Is there anybody here that never made straight A's? Is there anybody here that never won a beauty contest? Now, this is really cool. The Lord says, how many of you have ever been weak? That's why our Savior is so great. Because... If you live just for now, you're going to be excluded. 
If you worship the creation, it's going to melt with a tremendous combustion. We need to take care of it till that day. But you need to have something a lot better than the universe to worship. It says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, we do not know what we should pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. And that's just incredible. With groans that words cannot express, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's word. How many of you have ever been in a place where you were so low you couldn't pray? As we close today, you go from groaning to glory. Mother Teresa describes how she doesn't think God is present in her life. You go from a back page rubbing dove on your body, going to have smooth skin forever, to the gnarled Mother Teresa. The atheists are saying, they're applauding. Here's this great saint, and she felt God was so distant, and she felt weak, and she would often just put on a front and go about her business. But what Romans 8 says is that even if your Mother Teresa and even if all the world gives you a Nobel Prize, Romans 8 is honest. You're going to be weak. Sometimes you're going to feel so low that you can't even express yourself. The incredible good news is the Holy Spirit is still interceding for us. And my good news for you today, you know what? If God's Holy Spirit's interceding for you, when you don't have any answers, when you don't have any hope, when you're hurting so badly, you don't know how to pray, you're going to be finally home, and you're going to be okay. So what I want you to do today is I want you to rest. I want you to rest in the incredible gift that the Holy Spirit can live inside of you. And as the Holy Spirit ministers to you, and as he causes you to realize and causes you to say, oh, Father, and maybe that's all you can get out, oh, Daddy, you realize that the Holy Spirit picks up, and he's praying perfectly for you praying totally in line with the Father's will. Let's pray. Father, we just end by thanking you so much that Romans 8 tells us the truth. I want to pray that you would protect each one of my brothers and sisters from believing that there's some formula that will protect them from failure, from disease, from decay. But, Lord, I want to pray that each one of us would hang on to the promise and the hope that because of Jesus' resurrection and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life right now, you've already put a down payment on us. And that guarantees that no matter what happens, whether our life is long or whether it's short, whether we're rich or whether we're poor, whether we're healthy or whether we're sick, We're going to learn next time we get together there's nothing, nothing that's going to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. And oh, Holy Spirit, I'm so thankful that as we end this teaching from the book of Romans, that your Holy Spirit will never end the conversation that he's having for everyone that's sitting before me that knows you as their Savior, that's become your child. And I'd ask you, Lord, that they would be able to rest instead of being troubled Instead of being fearful, I pray that they'll be able to rest in the incredible presence of the Holy Spirit that is interceding, pleading their case before you, talking to you about every one of the needs that we have. 
Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your continual intercession for us. And we thank you that that guarantees that we're going to end up not with a body that will decay, but with a body that will be immortal. And we will live in a creation where things will not become extinct, but where there will be life that lasts forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.